If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast. This is our 2023 Mexico Open and Career Championship Tips Podcast. It's episode 255. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with in depth betting previews for both events this week. We've got course form statistics combined with current form stats, plus our brand spanking new predictor model. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge with no paywall. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Please press the like button. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. We're out of reviews. This is the last one on Apple. So, please, send us in a review this week. You're more than likely to be read out at the start of next week's show. This one, entitled An Appointment Podcast, five stars. I listen every week. It's truly an, it's truly appointment listening. It's as, it's as succinct as that, and that is from Mark. He's in Mission Hills, Kansas, USA. Thank you, Mark. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for making the appointment to listen to us each week. Nice one, Mark. Thank you. <clears throat> Send in your reviews, please. That would be much appreciated. Right. I had n- um, this talk last week. I know it's a packed show, so we'll keep this short and sweet. Didn't have a tournament last week. I enjoyed my weekend off. I actually went to the London Marathon. I saw my wife's sister complete the course. Uh, it was raining for most of the day. But... Uh, She'd managed to book an area <coughs> of a local pub. So that was the best part for me. Five pints before I got home. That was good. <laughs> she did it in just under five hours, Paul. I know you're a London yeah, Marathon no, it's, veteran. It's, it's a, to get around the course, and particularly in those conditions, is a real feat. So congratulations to her. And congratulations <laughs> to anyone else who completed the course this weekend. Very good stuff. We went to the three-mile mark at Woolwich. So not far from the start, and it's where the two courses merge. Yeah, yeah. And even then, it was hammering down with rain, hammering. And the the looks of fear, trepidation, <laughs> and carnage on the faces of most runners, was it scared the living daylights out of me. They're thinking, we got five hours of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, slightly better than it being blazing sunshine and true. 20s. So. That's a very true point. Well done last week, Paul. You filled your you you filled your places each way, didn't you? Was it Yannick, Paul? Yeah, and the and Scots guy. 
Yeah, Callum Hill, yeah, yeah both of them snuck into a, a place in the end. In fact, Callum Hill in the end was only a shot outside the playoff. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the la- he parred the last few holes as well. So there was, you know, there was scope there for him to have made one more birdie and give us a real stab at a, a three-figure winner, which would have been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, at the end, you, you, you analyse it all and they, they both shot 65 uh, Hill and Paul on the final day to get into full each way places, um, 125 to one and uh, and 30 to one. So I can't grumble really. Um, it's it's always just tinged with a little bit of disappointment when you get a player that close in the end. But um, yeah, no good. A good week overall, I must say. What did you think to the mix of DP World Tour and Japanese stars? Did you enjoy? It? Yeah. Did you learn anything about the Japanese contingent while you were watching it? Well, probably not because you, you know you, you you look at the the final leaderboard and at the end of the day the first Japanese player came eleventh I think you know there was a few of the guys who were in the mix early on but you know when push came to shove the the class of the DP World Tour players just shone through in the end and and that was without the benefit of the course form which many of the local players had um. Yeah, I, I I think it just kind of bolsters the point that if you're looking at these co-sanctioned affairs, and we've got another one this week, which is you know very similar in composition. Um, when you're looking at these co-sanctioned affairs, the fact that the or the DP World Tour players are, are, are higher up in the betting isn't um, you know isn't misplaced. It's they're there for a reason because you know ultimately um, you know they've, they've got just that little bit more quality potentially. Uh, and, you know, and ultimately more likely to win. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the event and uh, certainly enjoyed the result from from four picks to get two in the two in the mix or two in the places in the end at least uh, was was pleasing. What were the crowds like in terms of volume? Good. <laughs> yeah, reasonable. It's um, reasonable. yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I don't think you're ever going to get anything quite as dramatic. Well, you know, you, you look at the pictures that we saw from the live event down in. Uh, and Adelaide, which uh, you know, we're, we're all over the uh, all over the social media, where there was an awful lot of um, yeah, spectators coming along and enjoying the affair. Um, yeah, outside of big events like that, and some of the big events in in the US, you know, it often looks quite sparse, doesn't it, in terms of the mm. uh, in terms of the attendance? But no, no, all good. That's one thing you must say about Liv, and that is the weakness of the PGA Tour. I'm sorry for our North American listeners, but I just tell it as it is. Clearly, the PGA Tour, yeah, very, very, very focused on their own shores, mm. as they should be. But then you've got Liv taking advantage of being able to go down to somewhere like Australia that's crying out for world class fields. Yeah, and they're going to get that kind of response, aren't they? Yeah, because yeah. it's a golfing nation. Yeah. yeah, are they coming to the UK? Live again this year. <laughs> I don't know if they're going back. I don't think to, they are, are they? I don't know. They played Centurion, didn't they? I don't. I'm. I'm not sure it's on the schedule again this this year. There's, no, I don't think it is. I they, might be they, wrong. They've snaffled a few big tournaments or a few big locations, haven't they? Dotted around the uh, dotted around the globe this year. So that may may have been put on the uh, reserve list for future. I'm here. I'm here to help. It's uh, they're playing London July seventh to ninth. Oh, they are in, okay. cent, cent, in the Centurion Club. It is back and they play Valderrama as well, aren't they? They are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the week before. 
I would probably go to this live event. I think I'm going to get just tweets of hatred for the next six months, but it's only because <laughs> it's literally around the corner. But I expect when I go to get a ticket and it's 150 quid, I'll say, no, not going to do that. Mm. No chance. <laughs> not, not happening. Mm. Jump the fence, though. Yeah, jump the fence. <laughs> we probably do know the back way in, Paul. Yeah, I know. Anyway, we can go down that route. Um, so that's the Japanese event done on the DP World Tour. They moved to Korea this week, of course. Um, should we go through that first, Paul? Why not? Yeah. Why, let's do DP World Tour first this week. Why not? Why not, indeed? Yes, it will give it will give Barry less time to work out who he's tipping. So <laughs> let's put Barry under pressure. <laughs> I can, yeah, I, I can, I can I feel can, Barry's trepidation down the wires. I can I can hear some frantic tapping on the keyboard already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, off to Korea. It's the Korea Championship presented by Genesis this uh, this week. So we're staying in the east, um, heading slightly west actually, aren't we, across the Sea of Japan uh, to South Korea for a full field, 156 players this week. Again, like last week, it's co-sanctioned. This time, it's co-sanctioned with the Korean Tour, so it's a pretty even mix of DP World Tour and Korean Tour players here in attendance. Rasmus Hoygaard, he's the favourite, 18 to one now. Now he opened at 12 to one, pretty pretty much um, across the board, um, and uh, he's been drifting a bit, which is unusual for a market. Um, on the DP World Tour to be say a favourite drift quite so dramatically, but he's uh, out to eighteen to one in places, generally around about sixteens. So there's not a great deal of love for Rasmus this week as the favourite. Adrian Moronk, Jordan Smith, Bob McIntyre, all of those guys are twenty to one or thereabouts. Yannick Paul twenty twos, Antoine Rosner twenty five to one, thirty three to one bar those market leaders. Boyle Sports, eight places each way in their standard market, as they have been for um, for most of this year on the DP World Tour. Bet365, again, have their each way extra proposition available for the Korea Championship. Again, eight places, tw- uh, 10 places, 12 places available, depending how you want to cut your cloth this week. Now, the course um, it's the Jack Nicholas Golf Club in Korea, and uh, the clue is very much in the title. It's another... Jack Nicholas design. It's our fourth consecutive visit, actually, to a Jack Nicholas design on the DP World Tour. Slightly different test this week. Oh, very different test, in fact. I mean, last week we were looking at a short par 70. This week it's a 7,470-yard par 72. Um, so, yeah, quite quite a different challenge, potentially appealing to a different style of player. We shall see. Uh, the course was created from uh, some reclaimed, reclaimed land near the airport and it created this kind of exposed course with a with a coastal vibe about it. I'm not going to use the L word with this because I'm, I'm not sure you could ever ever describe it as um, uh, as vaguely linksy, but it's certainly by the coast or, or just off the coast. Um, it doesn't actually touch, touch the coastline at all, but you're close enough for it to be um, you know, affected by the sea breezes and... Yeah, the smell of the sea salt in your nostrils, as uh, as you like mm. to s- describe it, Steve. Oh, we love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lots of water in play, bent grass greens, or bent grass um, agronomy used throughout the course as well. Now, it's in, in terms of the similarity to last week, it's a similar kind of dynamic. So we have got lots of older or local um, tour 
history to, to look through. Now, this hosted the Genesis Championship on the Korean Tour for the last few years. It also hosted the old Shinan Dongai Open, um, which, again, I've combined the two of those sets of data back to 2011, um, and that forms this week's course stats on both the... Uh, uh, events stats uh, sheets on the site and also the combined stats as well the combined current form and course form so there's bits to bits to wade through again like last week it's generally just the local players who've got any form here to speak of so um, do take it take it with a pinch of salt but it gives us a starting point at least we also had the president's cup held here back in 2015 now that was won by the US team it was very tight actually it was 15 and a half to 14 and a half uh, top scorer is just for reference. Brandon Grace scored five out of five. Louis Oosthuizen, who was his partner, um, four and a half points out of five, and they won all four of their matches. And then uh, Oosthuizen halved his singles match. Zach Johnson, uh, Phil Mickelson, they top scored for the US team three and a half points here uh, each. So whether those names give us any indication as to the style of player, I suppose you can't really. Um, equate that if you're putting Zach Johnson and Lefty in the in the same bracket as the top scorers for the US team. But um, useful background information nonetheless. Now, if you go back in history, we do have some familiar names in the winner's list of um, on this course, two different events, of course. 2011 was Paul Casey. Now, Paul Casey won that year at level par. Bear in mind, this is a par 72. Uh, level par won it that year in 2011. 2012, Wee Kim won at four under par. 2013 was Sang Moon Bai, nine under. He defended the following year at 13 under. A uh, little break then until the Genesis um, Championship. 2017 was Sung Hyuk Kim at 18 under par. So some big variation in the winning scores there. 2019, Sung Jae Im, um, of course now a, a PGA Tour player, uh, six under par. 2020, Taehoon Kim, 6 under. 2021, Jake Young Lee, 14 under. And 2022, Young Soo Kim, 6 under. So some lesser names in the more recent uh, events, but certainly the names like uh, Sung Jae Im and Paul Casey, Wee Kim, Sang Moon Bai, who we've seen over on the on the PGA Tour as well, more familiar with us. So um, yeah, some, some fairly uh, high-level winners on this course over the years, on the events that have been held so you know potentially something to dig into there interesting winning scores as well um it's pretty clear that if the wind blows the conditions are tough then it really is quite a test as i say casey level par four under one it the last well three of the last four events here have been won at six under par so unless it's super soft and dead calm i suspect this course really will be a fair test and again you know a, a long coastal sea level test and um, that, that can be uh, can be a challenge it's going to appeal to certain types of players rather than others there's a bit of breeze in the forecast too looking at it um it's uh, it hasn't changed much over the last couple of days but um, it certainly looks like it'll be a test potentially on saturday and sunday and um, maybe getting up to around 15 maybe up to 20 miles an hour and gusting a little bit more than that over the weekend some showery rain too um, on Friday and Saturday. Temperatures generally around about 18 centigrade. That's at mid 60, 64 Fahrenheit. So yeah, it should feel very Northern European really in its uh, in its look and feel this week in terms of how it sets up and uh, yeah, in terms of how it'll play for the players. 
Now, in terms of stats, that's pretty much as far as we can go. There are no skill stats recorded for any of these Korean events in the past. So there's nothing else that we can really latch onto in terms of driving distance, drive, you know, even the, even the traditional stats, driving accuracy, there's nothing there. So um, we're going to have to take a flyer to a certain degree this week. In terms of current form, um, you can dig into the, the form of the winners here. The last four winners, all of them had a top 10 finish in one of their last two starts. So some good recent form would be, um, would seem to be a good indicator. Casey, if you go back to 2011, he'd won the Volvo Golf Champions uh, earlier that year, back on what was the European Tour at the time. Sang Moon Bai for his first win back in 2013. Now he had broken through on the DP, on the PGA Tour rather. Um, he'd won the Byron Nelson Championship earlier that year as well. So he would have gone there as a, even with some indifferent incoming form right up to that event. He'd have gone in there as um, one of the more decorated players with a PGA or you know, a season PGA Tour win to his name as well. So yeah, perhaps some season form, perhaps some good, you know, very immediate form would be a good place to start this week. As I said, some of the locals have also got some good course form here, but you know, given what we saw last week, it does remain to be seen whether. That has a massive amount of relevance. I guess if you're trying to pick out a, uh, you know, a long shot uh, Korean tour player who might sneak into a, you know, a top eight, top ten, top twelve, depending how you, how you play your your markets this week, then you, you might be able to sneak one in there. But um, you know, sparkling course form probably isn't going to matter a massive amount this week. We shall see. That might come back and bite me on the backside. We'll we'll find out by uh, by Sunday, won't we? But yeah, generally longer players. The track should suit a certain type of player, I think, and potentially a bit tougher than um, a bit tougher than the, the some of the weeks. A bit tougher than some of the Jack Nicholas courses that we've seen recently as well. So I don't know. We shall see. You you guys like me won't have any insight, I guess, into any of the course. Not one you've managed to sneak out and play in the past, Barry. I take it. No, I've only been to Korea once, and that was just uh, stopping off at Seoul Airport for a few hours on on route somewhere else. So, mm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I was I'm as in the dark as you, if not more in the dark, Paul. So yeah, yeah. It's, I wouldn't it's one listen of these to weeks. anyone I picked this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could could be a, could be a lucky pluck out of the uh, the air this week, Barry. Uh, yeah, the, these are these weeks when we turn up to a, a DP World Tour event where there is there's not even any previous history and stats history is uh, does create a challenge. I mean, I've played it relatively cautious this week. I, I, I picked four last week. I've only picked four again this week. Um, going from the top down. And I looked at Rasmus, and you've got to you've got to consider him for this kind of event because you know he's he's put in as favourite for for a reason. He's uh, you know he's, he's a very talented lad. He's um, you know he's, he's got three. He's potentially looking at his fourth DP World Tour title. His brother's out in uh, in the PGA Tour now, so there's going to be some rivalry there as to you know how they're going to perform on their respective tours going forward, but. If you look back through Rasmus's record recently, he keeps getting himself in some fantastic positions and just seems to let him slip away. Again, in Japan, he was top 10 going into the weekend, didn't do anything over the weekend and ended up in a tie for 16th. And 
you go all the way back to um, it was the French Open last year where he was in a great position and and let let that title slip through his fingers. And there have been a number of events where he's been you know top five, top ten after the second, third round, really in a good position to to to, to potentially contend, and it's just not happened. So I can see why he's drifted down the market. Um, still favourite right now, but I suspect he won't be favourite by the time they start. Um, I suspect the favourite would be Jordan Smith. Now, I backed Jordan Smith yesterday at 20 to 1 uh, with eight places. There was some 22s available um, with lesser each way places. There's still a little bit of 20 to 1 out there. I suspect by the time he starts, he's probably going to be 16 or 18 to 1 and potentially the favourite as well. Um, so if you do fancy a bit of Jordan Smith this week, then do jump on sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, Smith for me, he's got to lead my team this week. You look at Paul Casey, uh, previous winner here, gives us a few clues as to the type of player that could perform here. And Jordan's long, straight driving, very similar in terms of style, hits stacks of greens. In fact, he led greens in regulation last week in Japan, um, also led greens in regulation on his prior start uh, to that at Stain City, both Jack Nicholas designs. So his irons are working very nicely. He finished sixth in the end last week. And we did see a thawing of the putter, which is the catalyst really for me to take a chance on him. 17th for strokes game putting. Now you get a player like Jordan Smith and with everything else in his game, if he's starting to putt top 20, improving on that in terms of strokes game putting, then he's a very, very dangerous player. Now we saw that back at Villamora in October. 30 under he shot there. Proper birdie fest. This won't be a birdie fest. Um, I think, you know, looking back through my records, I think tougher tests um, should suit him better. So the fact that we're going to somewhere that um, is going to present more of a challenge, certainly more of a challenge than Villamora did back in October, I think that should suit Jordan Smith better. So I'm quite happy to take a chance on him this week. 96th in the world ranking as well. Um, we've got this 100th place um, mm-hmm. world ranking cut off soon. Um, it's kind of an unsaid rule, isn't it, in terms of the PGA Championship. But um, if he can maintain, uh, improve, improve on where he is in terms of the world ranking now, um, that will guarantee me a place into the PGA Championship next month. And uh, you know, another major start for a player like Jordan Smith is um, is decent for him to get onto his CV. Um, yeah, so Smith's in a little bit further down. 50 to 1, Callum Hill. I backed him early doors, 55. 50 to 1 still available. I'm sticking with Hill. It went close to us last week. I can't see any reason to drop him from the team this week. Yes, I know the price is halved or more than halved. Um, but it's got to be expected. You know, he played so well last week. Um, and if anything, I think this course should suit him better than it did last week. 67, 67, 67. And then finished with a 65 last week. Really good consistent stuff 19th for strokes gain off the tee third for strokes gain approach second for strokes gain tee to green some really impressive long game stats and if you look back to when he won the kazoo classic in 2021 that was at london club um down in kent and mm. um, that's another jack nicholas design as well he was fourth the week before that then went on to win at the london club third last week perhaps We'll see something similar this week from uh, a now fit and healthy Callum Hill. Wouldn't that be nice for him to follow up last week's effort with a win here? 
And then I've got a couple of longer shots as well. Daniel Hillier, um, 150 to one about him. Again, is another one. There's a lot of my players that have been um, nibbled in over the last uh, 18 hours or so. 125 to one available right now. Four times a winner um, on the feeder tours for the Kiwi. Twice a winner on the Challenge Tour over the last 18 months. He's got that winning vibe about him. Um, one of these players who's you know got the feeling of getting over the line in relatively recent terms or times. That can't be a bad thing. I think he's the sort who could step up at this level as well. Averages 305 yards from off the tees. Plenty long enough for this course. Um, best of third on tour at the Galgorham Castle back in the summer of 2021. More recently, 12th of Fairmont St Andrews last year. 12th of Villamore, a couple of coastal affairs. Uh, 23rd last week uh, in Japan, 7th for strokes going approach, 8th for strokes going tee to green. And if he can putt well this week, then I think Daniel Hillier, at a nice juicy three-figure price, could threaten an each-way place. And another one, I think, as my final pick, who could threaten an each-way place, is one of the locals. I have plumped with one of the local players, Minkyu Kim. 300 to 1 there's still 300 to 1 available out there right now I suspect again looking at the market it may well get uh, chopped in a little bit from there but uh, yeah I've taken a chance on uh, Kim child prodigy Minkyu Kim turned pro at 16 he holds the record still for the youngest winner on the challenge tour he was 17 years and two months old when he won on the Challenge Tour, well, that must have been five years ago now. 22 years old now and has six titles to his name. So he's continued the winning form since his early formative days. Most recent win came at the Kolon Career Open. Now, that's one of the more prestigious Asian Tour, Korean Tour co-sanctioned events. You've got previous winners there, the likes of Sergio Garcia, Ricky Fowler's won it. Uh, Jazz, Jana Watson and Lons won it relatively recently. Sang Moon Bai's won it twice. Now, we mentioned Bai earlier. Um, he, he's won that event twice. He's also twice a winner here at the Jack Nicholas Career Course too. Song Hyuk Kim also won that Kolon Career Open um, back in 2017. And again, he's also a winner here at this, te- this, week's, uh, this week's course, the Jack, Nich- Jack Nicholas Course. So, you know, potentially there's a tie between those two tracks. Um, if that's the case, then the 300 to 1 about Minkyu Kim looks like a um, you know a fair price to take on, I think. 35th and 28th here from two attempts in the past. Third last week on the Korean tour at Jeju Island. Nice little warm-up for Minkyu Kim. Uh, potentially one who could sneak into the places at a long, long price. But there before, I've not gone any deeper than that. I don't think an event where... You've got so many unknowns is one to get uh, really deep into in terms of uh, selections. So just for Minkyu Kim, Daniel Hillier, Callum Hill, Jordan Smith. What's your analysis told you, Barry? You've, uh, anyone there that's caught your eye? Keep talking. Need another few minutes. Uh, <laughs> no, I um, I was on Callum Hill last week. Thank you very much for the um, the steer on that. It was nice. Mm. So I'm I'm sticking with again this week. Yeah. Uh, there's um, yeah for all of the reasons you mentioned. Nothing yeah. further to add. Uh, I'm going to stick with Alexander Bjork. Finished 16th last week. Don't um, disappointing to not get a place, but let's go again. Yeah. And then. Little bit of a flyer because we're back to a sort of a coastal course uh, with a bit of width. Um, he was dreadful last week, but hoping the change of venue 
could open him up. Uh, Joachim Lagergren. Mm. Yeah, interesting shout actually because he does like his coastal his coastal golf, doesn't he? Well, yeah, his one win was in the uh, Rocco Forte Sicilian Open, uh, which was a nice, uh, well, coastal. I don't know how much more analogous the two <clears throat> courses are than that, but uh, he's he's always kind of popped in my head for those kind of slightly windy, coastally mm. tests uh, with a bit of width. So it's yeah. give, give him a spin. The price is generous enough not nearly a hundred to well got him at 90s so we shall see it's a, it's a big flyer yeah no no i get that um great record at the dunhill links as well from memories which um mm. yeah again you know in terms of wide coastal courses um it seems it seems to be what brings him to life so yeah in that respect you could disregard how he performed last week because you know a, a, a short fiddly test isn't really going to be uh, what's uh, what's appealing to him so this should be far more up his alley so yeah, I'll watch that with interest Barry because that's a um, that's an interesting angle for a player that would seem to be a little bit off the radar given his recent form question for you another one was yeah. sort of um, looking at um, how close did you get to picking Yost? Yost, yeah, he, he, you know, prior to the break, he was playing some really nice stuff, wasn't he? But the, the, I, I think last week suited him better than this week, and there wasn't much there last week. I think he finished fifty first or something that kind of mm. that kind of number. It was a bit further down the field, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's, I, I'd have wanted to have seen a bit more. Uh, I do worry about him on the longer courses. It's. <sighs> I don't know. You know. Sometimes you see these incredible shots, particularly on the par fives, where he's, you know, he's he's, he's had more than one albatross in the his career, where he's nailed these uh, approaches to long par fives. Yet I often get disappointed how he performs on the fives, which, when you've got a course like this, is going to be really quite critical how you perform on the par fives this week. I, okay. Yeah, I, it was just enough to put me off. Uh, I'd prefer but, him on something that was seven one seven two than than nearly seven five at sea level. Gotcha. Well, ba- banking on an albatross every tournament is not a sustainable yeah. model for success. So. No, not really. Not really. You watch him go and nail one now just to prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What about you, Steve? Any, anything in your catch your eye? I was just desperate. I mean, <clears throat> I go off on tangents. I do apologise. I was just digging into when the Ryder Cup um, selection process concludes for Team Europe. Mm. It will conclude on September 3rd, 2023, a full three weeks ahead of the Ryder Cup week. When the six players who qualify automatically will be confirmed, these six automatic qualifiers will comprise the three leading players on the world points list and the European points list. European captain Luke Donald will then select a further six captain picks to complete his 12-man team to face the United States. doesn't actually say when that's going to happen. All I noticed was last week Yannick Paul slipped into that third spot for European points. Mm. So he, he he clambered above Victor Perez. So as we stand here now, Ram, McElroy and Yannick Paul take up the three European points qualifiers. Fitzpatrick, Hovland and Hatton, the world points. So you might as well yeah. say PGA Tour points, yeah. I think I'm going for a player that's finished in the top 10 of an open championship 
And I believe he was in the top 12 at the Masters the first year he played it in 2021. Okay. Because you, you, you mentioned Louis Oosthuizen, you mentioned Zach Johnson, you mentioned Phil Mickelson. Mm. There's a couple of Masters champions there and a, and a guy that came very close to winning it and Bubba Watson beat him in a playoff. I'm going for Robert McIntyre. Yep. 18 yeah. to 1. Yeah, all of a sudden. Nice stuff. Well, his, his problem's been the putter, isn't it? I mean, I'm just going to read. Right, this, these are his strokes game putting numbers since the start of 2023. Mm. Negative, 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 negative. Last week, 25th. Mm. <laughs> Finished sixth. Yeah. So the tee to green game's great. Fifth. He was fourth for tee to green in Kenya. Seems like he's now got his head around the fact that he's actually playing some great golf and the confidence is flowing with the putter. It's not dissimilar to your Jamie Smith sort of a player that's great from tee to green who has some putting woes on occasions. Mm. It seems to me that McIntyre's on the same trend. All of a sudden, the confidence is flowing. Interesting with McIntyre as well, his two wins on the the DP World Tour, 7-under and 14-under. Yeah. So it seems to me he doesn't want these twenty four under Birdie Fests, no. Birdie Fests. Yeah. No, it's 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 <clears> impossible <throat> to shift him at the top if you know, if you if you fancy Bob McIntyre to go well then yeah, I could see him finishing in, in the in the paying places at least and, and pushing on. So Doesn't it say to you as well, with Yannick Paul being in third spot and this qualification being early in September, that the likes of a Paul, a Victor Perez, a likes of a um, Rasmus Hoygaard or a Robert McIntyre, Jordan Smith, these are the guys that are playing the DP World Tour each and every week. So it's going to take... I don't know how anyone that doesn't play the DP World Tour is going to jump in there and get that third spot. Because they're not playing any DP World Tour action. Do majors count though, do they? Pardon? Do the majors count for the DP Worlds, the DP well, points, do they? I don't know or- how the European points works. I, I took that as it's DP World based. I expect they do. Um, this seems to happen though, every Ryder Cup, that you get somebody popping their head up early in the year, just after the Masters, and you go, ooh, he could be on the team. And then two months later, a bunch of big events have happened and he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. The thing with that cut-off date, Steve, as well, is that's immediately after the um, uh, the European Masters at Crown Sorciere. So um, the cut-off point will happen, and then you've got the Irish Open the following week and the BMW PGA Championship. And I wonder if Luke then will make his decisions after mm. Wentworth. Yeah. Mm. All I think is it's there, there's, there's going to be there's likely a spot in there for a, for a, a talented DP World Tour. Mm. regular and yeah. I think you know if you look at that list for me McIntyre is probably the best of the bunch Yeah, I think I think the Ben Grass will sue him I'll tell you who else I think this week's going to sue as well I always have him as a Ben Grass player I've always said he, he tends to do better I mean it's all over the place let's be honest but <laughs> I think he tends to do better on stiffer tests I mean he won the Open he won at um, the Open de France last year at the Golf National I'm on yeah. Guido. I got sixty six to one on mm. Guido Migliozzi yesterday. You never quite know with Guido, do you? Just showed signs last week, didn't he? Wasn't he in the top ten heading into Sunday? Mm. Yeah, First time closer. I've seen him near the top of a leaderboard all year. Yeah, getting closer. He's yeah. If, if this is stiff and this is testing, that's the kind of uh, 
event that I think Guido could just pop his head out on. Mm. It, uh, well, capable and capable of winning, which is uh, you know yeah. can be said for a lot of the players. Great converter, week, so. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that round that he put together at uh, the Golf National to win, uh, as you say, the Open to France was outstanding. That final round and you know the, the final shot into the final green was uh, you know, worthy of the championship itself. So yeah, when, when it all clicks with Guido, uh, he can he can be right up there. His wins have come at three under the Belgian knockout. I can't remember that. And two two at 16 under, including that Open to France last year. Mm. Also great. Didn't he finish in the top five at the US Open at Torrey Pines, something like that? Yeah. It's, it's, it, again, it's, it's just erratic, isn't it? There's lots of miscuts. Oh, yeah. And then he produces something really quite um, you know, outlandish in terms of his performance, at, you know, either a higher level or you know, like that, uh, that final round in, in France, as we said. Yeah. They're the two I'm on. Right. Should we move over to Me- Mexico? Yes. The Mexico Open at Vidanta. A, it's a, the Mexico Open is a, clearly a, a tournament that's got plenty of heritage going way, way back. And uh, it, it then got promoted to the PGA Tour last year. And I think it was a welcome addition. I, I think getting, you know, we were talking about live earlier. I, I think taking the PGA Tour to overseas locations is something that the PGA Tour hasn't been particularly great at. So taking uh, Mexico's biggest tournament, which dates back to 1944, Grupo Salinas came in with the money. Mm. PGA Tour said, yep, no problem at all. And uh, Grupo Salinas took this to the Vitanta Nuevo Vallarta Golf Complex. I could see myself working one of these Mexican or Argentinian restaurants <laughs> in London with my pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, oh, they'd, they'd laugh so it's, top, it's top notch, isn't it? I want you to be the first tea announcer for this tournament. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fly me out there. Oh. <laughs> It's Alvaro Ortiz. Now, we saw this last year. I remember this tournament vividly from last year. We were on, I know we were all on Cameron Champ. Mm. And he was actually right up there with John Rahm for quite a period of time until he realised he was up there with John Rahm and he kind of went backwards on the Sunday a little bit. But he did get us a full each way payout. I was also on Davis Riley. Um, that was an interesting one last week. I know, I know I, I've been backing Davis Riley profusely for, for, for Yonks, and of course, he goes and wins the team event with Nick Hardy. You're like, oh dear. Well, we've missed that one. And Wyndham Clark was also there. You know, you had two youngsters there that everyone's been backing for months and months, if not years. And their, uh, their opening PGA Tour victory was going to be a, the team event. Mm. That's uh, that's one that always uh, goes down like a lead balloon with punters. But back to this one. The Norman Signature Course is the host course. Located by the coast, but I certainly it's very I mean, it's not dissimilar to where you are in career pole. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify this as a coastal golf course in any way, shape, or form. But there's a couple of holes that do run alongside a river and there's, there's a green that's actually on the sort of coast front. But apart from that, it's an inland golf course. But yes, you can smell the, the sea salt 
Um, I've classified it as coastal, mid-score, and long in length. It's a 7,456-yard par 71 at sea level. It's also got a bit of a strange setup. It's a par 71, but it has four par 5s which is well worth noting. Four par fives on a par 71. Five par threes as well. So the usual <clears throat> three par fives and one of the par fives replaced with par four isn't the case this week. Four par fives, five par threes. Some of the par fours are pretty brutal as well. 520 yards. Uh, we're seeing another one at 505 yards. There's a par three that's over 200 yards, 208. And there's also another par three at 226. So it's a stretching golf course, yeah? Mm. For me, it's a golf course. And we kind of saw that last year where I think you've got to be good with your mid to long approach play. Especially when you've got four par fives as well. And these stats from last year were interesting. I mean, we, we looked at the course. We, we'd never visited there, but we, we kind of thought large fairways, wide fairways, long golf course by the coast, and flat too, very, very flat. We thought off the tee would be important, and that's how it worked out. Yeah. I mean, John Rahm, he ranked second for off the tee, 30th for strokes gained on approach, 22nd for around the green. He was third for tee to green, 18th for putting. And I know we've only seen one renewal, but it was fascinating that you had the likes of Brandon Wu was seventh for off the tee. Alex Smalley, Cameron Champ, Patrick Rogers, fifth, first and fourth. They were getting each way spots. I put in my um, in my preview this week, distance off the tee undoubtedly paid huge dividends in the first renewal. We've witnessed with seven of the top 10 finishers all ranking in the top 16 for driving distance on the week. <clears throat> so off the tee, I mean, I've looked at off the tee again this week. I've looked for driving distance, driving distance, all drives. I've also looked for total driving. Those are the kind of metrics I think work very well. That's the golf course. Um, large greens, they are Paspalum. So, think Paspalum, think. And some players I've noticed on the PGA Tour call this, they classify these courses, they call them island golf courses. So think El Caminion, where they play, or used to play, the um, OHL Classic, the Mayakoba. Also think Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Open, and also think Corrales. There's also a couple of Pass Barlam coastal golf courses that they play early on in the Corn Ferry down in the Bahamas. I think it's the Abaco. I can't remember the other one. Yeah. But they're these kind of island Pass Barlam agronomy golf courses. Windswept really warm temperatures. That's exactly what we've got this week. I mean, it's up to 35 degrees Celsius. Um, and that's 91 to 93 Fahrenheit. It's 33 to 34 degrees Celsius, 91 to 93 Fahrenheit. And then what you tend to get here is calm mornings, and then it can be gusting up to 20 miles an hour in the afternoon. I think the weather's pretty much exactly the same as what we saw 12 months ago. 
17 under one with John Rahm. He won by one shot from Brandon Wu, Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama. Brandon Wu's finished, I think, in the top three in Puerto Rico twice now. Tony Finau's won in Puerto Rico. Kurt Kitayama. Um, I put him up once for Puerto Rico. He finished 22nd, but I think he shot 64 in round two. So players with a bit of mumbo off the tee, I think. And if you can find some form, either Corn Ferry at those Bahamas circuits or even Mexico Open, something like that, or the Mexico Championship, anything that's kind of Latin American, I don't think that's bad form for this place, for obvious reasons. Now, we've got a problem this week, haven't we? We've got a problem that John Rahm is playing. And the problem is that John Rahm's playing and the rest of the field is very ordinary. So we've got John Rahm at 11-4, Tony Finau at 8-1, and don't adjust your headset, Wyndham Clark at 18-1. to Those are the top three in the market. Now I had a little Barry mentioned this as soon as he came on the um on the line this morning. Is there such a thing as a master's hangover? Well, I had a look and I've gone back to 2010 Phil Mickelson. I've only I haven't found a master's winner that's then gone on to win another tournament in April or May yep. since 2010. Yep. The best was Jordan Spieth in 2015. He won the Masters. He went. He then finished eleventh at Harbour Town at the RBC, and then he won the U.S. Open in June when Dustin Johnson three putted from about three putted from about one foot. Yeah, at Chambers Bay. It's a big thing, though, isn't it? The the media requirements and commitments after winning the Masters. You know, wandering around everywhere with the green jacket on for weeks on end. It's it's got to take its toll mentally and, and physically, I think. And in terms of focus, get yourself focused again for the for the Mexico Open. Yeah, I know he's defending. If John Rahm wasn't defending, if he hadn't won last week, there's no way he'd be down here. You can't tell me he'd, he'd turn up for this, even you know, even with the the Spanish ties. I just got, I can't see it. The, the reason he's here is because he's defending. Is he going to be hundred percent focused? Well, I don't think he was remotely focused for the. Heritage and what did he finish fifteenth or thereabouts, didn't he? In the end, yeah, eleven to four. You know, shorter than that in some places. It's um, yeah, I, I can't. I, yeah, per, personally, I, I couldn't couldn't go near it. And I, I had a little look at the forecast, the dual forecast, the straight forecast with Tony Finau, and you're looking at around twenty to one for um, you know a Finau uh, Ram one two. Either way, or I think it was thirty-five to one for straight forecast Ram Finau, but I personally get the feeling he's going to finish a little bit further down the li- down the down the board. Even in this, so level. you're thinking that John might actually let someone else win this week? Yeah, I, I, he might finish sixth or eighth or something like that, and you know, put a, a, a reasonable defence up and uh, just kind of meander around, but. Is he mentally going to be focused on going all out to win this? It's interesting with Ron. When he won his first major, the US Open in 2021, bearing in mind that was in June, he then had a raft of big tournaments after that. He finished mm. seventh at the Scottish Open, third at the Open, third at the Northern Trust, ninth at the BMW, 
and was then 72-hole leading scorer at the Tour Championship. Yeah. That doesn't mean much at all, but the only thing, I mean, especially when you look at the... The other thing is, I'm going back to this this winner's list of the Masters. So, Spieth won in June, the US Open. The next best from that point on is Adam Scott, who won the Barclays tournament, the FedEx Cup opener in August of 2013, after he'd won the, the um, Masters in April. Mm. And then you get a whole host of them that all win in October or November. Bubba Watson, HSBC champions. Sergio Garcia won the Andalusia Masters in October, which I think was his own tournament from memory. Uh, Tiger Woods won the Zozo in October of 2019. Hideki Matsuyama won the Zozo in October of 2021 after winning the Masters. So, yeah, that to me suggests we might have a bit of luck this week and John Rahm won't win. You then look at Tony Finau. Now, if you'd have offered me Tony Finau at something like 14 to 1, I'd probably taken it. But 8 to 1? Don't know. It's it's not my cup of tea. And that then takes us on to the rest. Let's talk about bookmakers. In terms of best bookmaker for the Mexico Open, we are highlighting Bet365, who has ever have their each way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you are betting pre-event on the Mexico to win outright market. Right now, as we record the pod, they are offering market best odds and eight places each way on 11 to 4, John Rahm. We've got 18 to 1 Wyndham Clark, 33 to 1 on Patrick Rogers, 45 to 1 on Bo Hosler. Clark and Hosler were the dream team last week, but didn't get the job done. Or or how about I, mean, I did look at this guy, Power Bomber Joseph Bramlett, who will be suited to the Mexico course. He is as short as 40 to 1 with Paddy Power, is Joseph Bramlett. He is a 70 to 1 chance with Bet365. We recommend Bet365. If you're 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet £10, get £30 of free bets. New customer promotion plus a link through to that very author with T's and C's in the podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code, Paul. Sport30. Sport30. When registering. Sport30 when registering. I've got some more stats here, chaps. Yep, go on. Here's three for you. Wyndham Clark. 127 PGA Tour starts, no victory. Patrick Rogers, 233 PGA Tour starts, no victory. Ben Arn, 141 PGA Tour starts, no PGA Tour victory. 501 starts there between them. And we're being asked to back them at these ridiculously short odds because I had someone tweet me last night. I think Ordinary Joe, he said, um, Steve, I know it's bad, but I'm, I'm being forced to almost back players on the post-it note of doom this week. <laughs> ben Arn, Austin Cook, Emiliano Grillo, Luke List, Patrick Rogers, they're all on the post-it note of doom. I'm backing none of them. Not for me. What do you no. think to Wyndham Clark at eighteen to one, Barry? 
do you want dead air? I mean, I, no, no reaction. <laughs> Just no. Uh, the windy sea at eighteen to one. I was in, that was interesting last week. I mean, I was I kept following the the um, leaderboard even though I wasn't interested. And they had quite a they had quite a chunky lead, didn't they, going into Sunday? And even early on on the front nine. And all of a sudden, it all start. You know, all those birdies and eagles they've been getting. They 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 seem to freeze up quite quickly yeah. on Sunday. Tightened up. Tightened up. There's mm. undoubtedly that Wyndham Clark is playing the best golf of his career, but I am not backing him at eighteen to one. <sighs> so, Steve, who have you backed? I have backed Gary Woodland. <laughs> one and a half points each way, thirty to one with bet three six five. Each way extra eight places each way. I put here ninth at the Genesis Invitational and fourteenth at the Masters. The results that only the likes of Rahm and Finau can dream of in this very weak field. And that's true, I think. I'll tell you what else I like about Gary on a golf course where driver is absolutely critical. And bearing in mind he played here last year, so he's got course experience. He finished in the top 25. If you listen to Woodland's numbers, they're pretty mad. He's second off the tee across my eight-week tracker. He's 26th for driving distance all drives, 10th for driving distance, 14th for total driving, and that 14th is made up of 10th for driving distance and 103rd for driving accuracy. But I like I love those numbers. And then you just look at what he's done recently. Across his last five made cuts, Gary has never been out of the top 20 for strokes gained off the tee, the top 19 for driving distance, plus the top 10 for either total driving or ball striking. So from tee to green and off the tee, this guy is playing some amazing stuff. He's mm. just been the putter. And then... 19th and 11th for strokes game putting across Augusta and Harbour Town, his last two appearances. You remember um, Pebble Beach a few months ago, Justin Rose kind of popped up at 25 to 1 to win a very weak A&T Pebble yeah. Beach Pro-Am. I could kind of see Gary Woodland doing the same thing this week. A good name, a, mass, a major winner that goes well by the coast. World number 80, just coming in. And if John Rahm or Tony Finau allow a lesser player, in terms of the betting odds anyway, to win, I could see Gary Woodland just sneaking up and winning this one. Mm. The other one I got, now I got him at 30. I mean, he's been well found in the market. I don't know what happened, but when um, when Davis Riley was a WD, all of a sudden these mid-price players or they their prices were obliterated by the bookmakers. Yeah, yeah. So Woodland now is 25 to 1 with Bet365. He's 22 to 1 with Paddy Power. Um, I went for Nikolai Hoygaard as well. Now, you know far more about Nikolai Hoygaard than I would ever know, Paul, because clearly he's a DP World Tour um, graduate. Hmm. But, you know, Wyndham Clark, 127 appearances, no win. Rogers, 233. Ben Arm, 141. The first thing I like about Nikolai Hoygaard, and I know that Northern Europe, Northern American listeners will go, and all go well, this not on the PGA Tour, but he's actually already won twice on the DP World Tour. He knows how to win. Yep. And not so for many it. starts either. That would be a relatively small number of starts that he's got those wins from. 
Yeah. Since he's come over to the PJ Tour, second at Corrales. Well, what did we say up front? Love that. 28th at the Texas Open. Um, was spreading it off the tee, but his approach play was amazing. I think he ranked in the top two for strokes gained on approach at the Texas Open. 32nd last week at the Zurich with Teal Bjorn Olsen. But I just looked at his history on the DP World Tour pool. 2019, his breakout tournament, where he kind of said to the world, here I am, he was second at the KLM Open. Now that's a faux links near Amsterdam. Yep. He then finished fourth at the 2021 Canary Islands Championship. That's coastal. That was Paspal. Mm-hmm. I believe that was the tournament Garrick Higo won. Yeah, yeah. His second victory on the DP World Tour came at the 2022 Ras Al-Khaimah Championship. Now, that's played on the Persian Gulf Coast at Al-Hamra Golf Club. That's a 7,400-yard par 72, again with Paspalum Agronomy. Yeah, right by the coast. I'm licking my lips here. The fact that Hoygaard finished second at the Corrales Championship just five weeks ago, again on a coastal, tropical, long, paspalum, grassed, wind-affected golf course, makes the case that Hoygaard should be perfectly suited to the assignment this week. Just also to put it out there, he's now a special temporary member of the PGA Tour, which means he must finish... Well, he's not in the FedEx Cup as such, but his points accrued on the FedEx Cup are going to be at the end of the year if he's in the top uh, if his points are level with the top 125th in the FedEx Cup or higher he will get a full membership for next year huge carrot this year for the f- the one and only time they're extending it beyond the FedEx Cup playoffs so that will run until the last event in 2023 which will be the RSM Classic At the moment, his equivalent is 118th. So he's 118th, and he's only played on the PGA Tour three times so far this year. So he's a big carrot there, isn't there? Big carrot for Hoygaard. Play your best golf in the States. You're going to have a full PGA Tour card for next year. Yep. And with his driving prowess, you've got to say that the PGA Tour, I would have thought, is going to suit him probably better than DP World Tour because he can just mash it. Oh, yeah, in general, the courses, yeah, there'll be far more amenable courses for him to get his teeth into. So I picked um, Woodland up at 30s, Hoygaard up at 35s. My next tip is 60 to 1. So where where are you guys fishing this week? Um, I've only got two, that, but both of them are three figures, so a little bit further down okay. for me. What about you, Barry? I took a... Little flyer on Brandon Wu to yeah. back up his performance last year, and then I've I've gone deep. Okay, very deep. So Wu, what have you got on Wu? Would that be fifties or fifty fives? Uh, fifty. Fifty. To I'm, I, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with my formula. My well, the formula that makes me feel at most at peace, which is. Generally landing on bet three six five the twelve places market, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna. My my logic is I'm not gonna be making any happy wins by just getting one fifty odds in a you know eight places each way. It's that's not gonna make a big material difference. Like I'm after the after the wins, and other than that, 
I'd like just to have the maximum amount of places to grab a little bit of uh, take back on a week if that happens. So I'm happy to kind of suck up the, the, the lower amount of return on the place. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just just to try to scoop up as many as possible. That's that's my logic. It's probably terrible, but it makes me feel at peace when I'm watching the event. And say I'd taken somebody in a seven places or eight places market, and I see him land tenth. I, you know, that would uh, frustrate me. So, yeah, each for their own, Barry, and uh, it's it's paid paid you back uh, a few times in the last few weeks. So. Yeah, it's worked out. It feels it feels like it's worked out okay. So my strokes gained mental state is fantastic with this. <laughs> so each for their own. Do you remember that course they've played a couple of times on the DP on the sorry the PGA Tour that Congaree Golf Club? Yes, down in South Carolina. Yeah. Now I could that. All I've worked through, it's like John Rahm, he was in the top five there last year at the CJ Cup when they played there. That was the course Rory McIlroy won at, I believe. Um, And also Kurt Kitayama. He finished second or third there. I think he went out, because Rory McIlroy's mentioned it in interviews, that he played with Kurt at that and he was impressed with his game. And then Kurt's gone on this year to win uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, his first PGA Tour event victory. And I could, I can kind of see some crossover with that course because that's a par seventy one. It's long. It's plenty of sand in play. It's flat as a pancake. Weird shape, kind of diagonal greens and approaches to greens. Garrick Higgo's won there. He won that event the week before the U.S. Open in twenty twenty one. And Higgo right now is driving the ball very, very nicely. So I, I went for Garrick, Garrick Hicko, Higo, 60 to 1 with Coral. I got 10 places each way with Coral at 60 to 1. He's drifted overnight, actually, which I'm surprised by, but he's 66 to 1 right now. So if you do fancy a bit of Higo, uh, there is 66 to 1 out there. Quite general as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I can I can remember when he went on that tear on the DP World Tour, Grand Canaria Open and the Canary Islands Championship. He won two within three, I think. Yeah, he did, yeah. This yeah. was in lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah. They were both seaside courses with Paspalum agronomy. Yeah, it was in a really hot spell back then. We were on the second one, I think. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm not suggesting he's anywhere near as hot, but... Mm. He's within the top 22 of my eight-week strokes gain trackers, both off the T and T to green. And he's undoubtedly... He, he seems to have been the one that got this massive... You know, he had this massive um, upgrade, didn't he? Won tournaments in the DP World Tour, won a PGO Tour event from nowhere at 50-1, to 1, and then kind of went quiet. But you're just kind of making out... This year, he's had made eight of ten cuts... And it was noticeable last time out at the RBC Heritage. He shot, he shot a 66 on Friday and a 67 on Sunday, both within the top 10 scorers for those particular days at Harbortown. Now, for me, Harbortown, which is short, claustrophobic, focuses majorly on approach play and scrambling, isn't Garrick Higgo's go-to golf course. I think this place will suit him far more where he can just let rip off the tee. Mm. 
lovely distance and the putters. He he's very similar to Robert McIntyre. McIntyre and him Higo have had deep freeze putters. All of a sudden, I think as the confidence is coming back with Garrick that he realises he's playing some nice golf, all of a sudden, lo and behold, he starts making some putts. So yeah, I, I like Higo at sixty to one. I think I, th- I think that's a the other thing is as well in this kind of field, not afraid to win. Another guy that's won plenty of tournaments globally at a young age. Hmm. So yeah, I liked him. I then went Akshay Bhatia, ninety to one again with Coral, ten places each way. Fair play to Coral this week. They've offered some decent prices on a number of players and ten places each way. All I'm focusing on here with Bartia, fourth at the Exuma Classic, seventh at the Abaco Classic. This is in 2023. They were the Corn Ferry openers on those Bahamas Paspalum golf courses. Fourth and seventh. He then went to the Puerto Rico Open and finished second. Again, he's like Hoygaard. He's got special temporary membership based upon his limited outings that he's had on the PGA Tour. And he's ranking 102nd right now in terms of his equivalent to where he would be in the FedEx Cup. So Bartia and Hoygaard both playing for their PGA Tour futures, but they're young, talented players. Bartia, 63, 65, 65, 63 across the RSM Classic, Honda Classic, Puerto Rico Open, Corrales Championship. This guy can go low, very, very low. He's also in the top 30 for total driving this season so far on the PGA Tour. So he's long enough and he's straight enough. So yeah, I think Bartia could go well this week at 90 to 1. I've then got two 200 to 1 chances. Over to you, Paul. Yeah, they're not, mine aren't quite as deep as that, but um, I've. Like you talked about wide fairways here, and I think that should help a player like Patton Kizaya, um, who I backed at 100 to 1. Uh, we know he can win, a couple of wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, Mike Ober, Sony Open, both of, both of them with uh, a bit of a coastal vibe to them, aren't they? Seventh to Sunday at the Valspar recently uh, in a decent field, tenth to halfway at Heritage again in a decent field. Um, shot a 65 in the second round there. Uh, finished a little bit further down the field on both of those, but still some positive signs out of that. 26th last week alongside alongside your friend, Brendan Todd. Uh, a couple of 64s in there as well with the pair of them. So some decent stuff happening, I think, um, for Pat and Keziah. And I say, I think the wider fairways here should give him a little bit of a, a, bit of a leg up in terms of his uh, standing this week. He is a, he's a disastrous driver of the golf ball, isn't yeah. he? But yeah, that's yeah. why this course would suit him. Yeah, I think it gives him. It's more hard to of a miss fifty-yard wide fairways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you know, from from there in, um, particularly on the mm-hmm. greens, when he's on fire, he's 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 very very capable. So um, yeah, I wonder if that will give him a a chance to to progress this week. It's his first look at the course, so we don't really know. But um, yeah, I thought one hundred to one was worth taking on. You know, aside from John Rahm and Tony Finnau, this isn't a great field. So. I think it gives us scope for a player like Desire to to get into the get into the frame. Um, so he's in the other one. I back polar opposite. Really, uh, I've stuck with Ches Reevy. Now yep. I know Ches hasn't got the 
the length of the tee, which is um, you know, one, of, one of the things that you focused on this week, more than makes up with it with his accuracy. So he's going to need to find as many of the green or the fairways as uh, as he can to give himself a chance with the uh, approach shots. But he does find an inordinate amount anyway, let alone on these ones. He should, he should be, well, if he's not in the 80s, approaching 90% driving accuracy this week, then, um, then he's done something wrong, I think. Playing some nice stuff though. Sixth at the Texas Open recently. Eleventh uh, at the Heritage. A long price when we were, we were on him, um, and that was a far better field as well. Strokes gained positive for putting both times for Ches Reeve. For me, that's another big pointer. Um, if he's putting well, putting positively, then he's one I've got to, got to uh, stick with. Really, thirteenth here when he played it for the first time last year. So, one hundred and twenty-five to one with eight places with uh, hills. That was. Um, on Ches Reeve, quite happy to stick with that. So, just the two for me then: Patton Gazaya, Ches Reeve, both at three figures. We need to stick close to Ches Reeve. You know that as a podcast, yeah. he's yeah. got three PGA Tour victories. Yeah, two of them on pe- bent power greens. The other one at Glen Abbey in '08, which you could also say was bent power, mm. but it was definitely bent. So he's coming into golf courses and greens that he actually likes best of all. Yeah. And he's showing form right now. Mm. Don't forget, he won the Travellers, didn't he, in 2019? Oh, he's capable. Very capable. So, yeah. He's one that he could win getting into summer. You've got to follow Reeve. Yeah, you know, some other courses are going to suit him better because I think, you know, your, your overall summary of this in that it should suit a longer hitter is right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, with eight no, no, I'm not saying he fun. won't place this week. I yeah, get yeah. that, but he's the kind of player that you, you just can't forget about. Mm. I think he could pop up later on in the summer as well, somewhere like a Detroit or somewhere like this. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly he's been playing terribly, and all of a sudden it's just clicked, isn't it? And you you never find him at a low price. He's always a good value price, really. He is, yeah. I, you know, I, I was surprised to get him that far down the uh, list mm. with the extended places as well. It was uh, quite Absolutely. pleasing. I've gone two hundred to one on two, and then we can move to Barry. I've got Martin Trainer. Plays well by the sea. A winner at. Puerto Rico in 2019. He also won the 2018 El Bosque Mexico Championship on the Corn Ferry. 40th for birdie average, 50th for driving distance. He finished 11th, I believe, here last year off a form of miscut, miscut, miscut. Where this time around, he's got former 20th at Pebble Beach. 22nd at Corrales and 9th last week in the team event with Chad Ramey. So he's playing far better and he's arriving at one of these coastal Paspalum courses in 34 degree temperature heat that he absolutely thrives in. Mm. I think I thought 200 to 1 was a very good price on Martin Trainer. Yeah. I think he's as short as 100 to 1 with um, yeah, he's 100 to 1 with Paddy Powell. Wow. And the other one, if we're talking big drivers, I know how this works as well, because I was on Brent Grant at the Puerto Rico Open. He did absolutely bugger all. He did make the cut, but never challenged. And he's the kind of player that then, of course, popped up the next Palm golf course alternate event we went to. He finished in the each-way places when I wasn't on him. 
He finished, uh, where did he finish? I think he was seventh or something like that. Oh, eighth at Corrales. Now, this guy's driving numbers are pretty intense. 22nd for driving distance, 44th for driving distance all drives, 21st for strokes gain off the tee, and 5th for total driving on the PGA Tour this season. So those aren't localised numbers. They are seasonal numbers. This guy can mash it. <laughs> Absolutely mash it off the tee. Um, clearly isn't overly good at anything else, but he's a very strong driver of the golf ball. And I just think... Think looking at the, the fact I I fancied him in Puerto Rico finished fortieth. He was eighth at the Corrales. He was a first round leader at Torrey Pines um, going back into January. He was fifth after fifty four holes at Pebble Beach. He just pops up a by the coast and b clearly in weaker events because that's where he gets his starts. I di- I just thought two hundred to one there were worse bets out there. Yeah, when you're seeing a guy that's fifth for total driving on the whole of the PGA Tour, and he's two hundred to one at a golf course that's absolutely all about strong driving, I thought that was a, a price I would take. I tell you my my honourable mention, and I'm surprised Paul didn't mention him, was Luke List. <laughs> he was priced up with Bet three six five yesterday morning, eight places each way by their each way extra, at ninety to one. Uh, he's been backed very, very heavily since. I, I, this is a Luke List golf course. Yeah, absolutely. If he can putt, if he can putt, yeah. I'm seeing him as short as fifty to one with Paddy Power right now. Luke List. So my uh, my tips are Grant, Bottier, Higo. Uh, I forgot one, didn't I? Martin Trainer, Nikolai Hoygaard. And I've got at the top Gary Woodland. Who are you going for, Barry? Who who are your long shots? Uh, I liked Trainer, so I've jumped on. I've tagged on there. Grabbed, yeah. uh, grabbed that. And from a bit of messing around with the predictor and having a look at the combi stats, I've plucked Alejandro Tosti, who's. Mm. Last three on the uh, Corn Ferry of 7th, 10th, and 22nd last week. Had a ninth here in on the KFT in 2021. Not the same course, but I'm just going for, you know, Mexico vibes. Yeah. And he was, where are we, 225 to 1 in the 12 places market on 365. Oh, nice. And you can hit the ball out there. Do you know what nationality toast Tosti is? I do because I've been googling his life for, uh, for the last ten minutes. He's Argentinian <laughs> and uh, has has enough length off the tee from what I'm seeing here on his uh, stats page on the PGA Tour website. All drives, uh, he hits at three ten. Hmm. Plenty long enough. Driving accuracy might be a small issue. Small no, sample size, though. Small yeah. sample size, so not on this course, anyway. Bro. Right, sound okay. You were seeing last year round here the most inaccurate drivers still hitting over sixty percent of fairways. He, he will love and to that hear that. The, that is the point. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is the point. I think it's going to be one of those leaderboards this week that does my mind in. You're going to see 
Clark probably up there, Rogers up there, Banner, Ben Arn up there. All of my post-it note of Doom players are going to be up. Grio will be up there. It's just <laughs> going to happen. And everyone's just going to be sitting there going, where is John Rahm and Tony Fee now? Because if you're not on them, you're praying that clearly <laughs> they're not just going to milk this up. Mm. That is the huge fear, clearly. Well, I've enjoyed this morning's show. Thank you for your time. I hope your bets go well, gentlemen. Yeah, best of luck, boys. You too, boys. What is your event next week, Paul? We're, it's the Italian Open next week, so it's the um, Don Simeone uh, golf course, the uh, Ryder Cup venue. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. Not many of the Ryder Cup hopefuls coming over by the looks of it, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see when the when the uh, field. They can't, up. can they? They're all, no. they're all they're all being forced to play the Wells Fargo designated yeah, exactly. event. Yes, which is a shame, but uh, yeah, even so, it should be it should be a good sighter for the Ryder Cup. Mm, absolutely, yes, Quail Hollow. We've got the Wells Fargo next week. The return of Rory McIlroy. We'll be back for that. I hope your bets go well, listeners. Please bet responsibly, and we'll see you again next week on the Golf Betting System Podcast. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf 